Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Your business is going to be constantly upgrading, similar to like a iOS system on your Mac. Today on episode 584 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of Ascent Strategy, Sophia Sunwoo. I'm going to ask Sophia how consultants and coaches can build their business in phases following a long career as an employed professional. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Sophia along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Sophia Sunwoo. Sophia is a three-time entrepreneur who sold her first business at age 22, growing it to 250 major retailers worldwide before her exit. Her second business fixed broken water systems in India and Cameroon, securing clean water for over 80,000 people. Sophia is currently the founder of Ascent Strategy, where she creates money-making brands with women entrepreneurs who refuse to settle for mediocre. Sophia is also a Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree and was named one of the world's 100 most inspiring women by Salt Magazine and Diageo. Sophia, welcome to the show. David, thanks so much for having me. First of all, congratulations on all of your achievements so far. It's a pretty incredible bio. You have varied experiences as an entrepreneur, as I just described. Could you share a little bit about those experiences before we get into some depth about what you're currently doing? Sure. So I have been an entrepreneur for 14 years now. When I started my first company, I was 19 years old. Uh, My college roommate and I, we were basically bored college kids that were looking for some excitement in our lives. And we, at the time, would go to punk rock shows on the weekend. And one thing we were realizing was that at concerts, there are a lot of great brand band t-shirts that look good on men, but not on women. So we created a clothing line to specifically speak to women and to create clothing so that women would look fashionable and wear what they'd like at their favorite punk rock shows. And I guess we just hit on a nerve. The clothing company took off. We ended up having offers to buy out the company within the first year We had a couple of celebrities wear our clothing on TV and magazines, and the thing just exploded. My co-founder and I had no idea what we were doing, (laughs) (laughs) but we figured it out along the way, and it was such a great experience. I had wanted to be a clothing designer since I was a kid, so being able to build that company at such a young age was such a huge manifestation of these dreams I had, but while we were building the company, it quickly became apparent that I was going into manufacturing. I wasn't really going into the industry of being super creative. I mean, it would be different if I was a designer who had a CEO to handle the business stuff, but that was just not the reality. So I spent some time while I was in undergrad, really exploring what I wanted to do next. And something that popped up for me was exploring how we could use business to address these huge social 
issues around the world. And I had the opportunity when I met my co-founder for my second business to work specifically in clean water, which led to co-creating this organization where all the nonprofits that you see that where they say, hey, if you donate, you know, 20 bucks, you'll help bring clean water to someone in need in these low-income countries. About 30 to 50% of those water systems break after three to five years. So our organization worked on fixing those broken water systems, preventing them from breaking down the line. And that was an incredible journey working in West Africa and India for about eight years. I learned a lot as a project manager, as someone working in a political landscape and while dealing with politics, dealing with all the entrepreneurial aspects of having a business and the project management challenges and the social challenges of working with a lot of different communities and people. But yeah, I I just realized that I wasn't cut out for that work. I think I have a lot of respect for nonprofit folks. It's really such incredible, important work, but I wasn't capable of being in that type of world for the long haul. And that was what led me to where I am today, where I had a really intense kind of moment in my life where I had to discover and get on this journey of understanding what is my purpose? Why am I here? What takeaways do I have from like these past decade of building businesses and how can I give back to the world in a meaningful way? And What came for me was I really want to help more women step into their power and bring to life these ideas that they have in their head, whether it's a side hustle or a way for them to build and create a business that they feel aligned with from a purpose perspective. I wanted to empower more women to bring that to life and do it as quickly as possible. I found in my experience building my past two businesses that my timeline was so long. I was filtering so much bad information. I had trouble finding information about how to monetize a business and to receive advice that was actually helpful for me was really, really difficult. So I started my current business ascent to with these two objectives of how can I accelerate the success timelines of women and also how do I become a resource so that this the information that entrepreneurs receive it's actually helpful and it actually gets the heart of what we all want which is I want to make more money please give me that information Sophia why do you think it was so hard for you to find the answers to these questions which perhaps were sort of uh routine entrepreneurial questions? Yeah, because I think that there are a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs that are working on this challenge individually within their respective businesses. But at the time, there weren't many people that were stepping out of those roles and creating frameworks to say, hey, here's a formula for you to take. And actually, it'll help you create this formula to monetize whatever business idea you have. I also think that it takes someone who's incredibly skilled to create those uh, insights and distill them in a way that is a framework that entrepreneurs in various different industries can apply them themselves. So I think that it was the challenge of just supply, like having enough brains working on creating frameworks. 
So in your work now with Ascent Strategy, who are your typical clients? Yeah. So for me, it's really about a type of entrepreneur. I, As far as industry goes, I work with entrepreneurs from health coaches to people who have tech courses to jewelry artisans to people who are starting dog toy companies. It really runs the gamut, but all of those entrepreneurs have this shared approach to how they build their businesses of they're creating the business because it's coming from a place of passion and it's coming from a place of purpose. They truly see the business they're creating to be a manifestation of the work and products and services that they want to put out in the world and impact people positively. So yeah, there's that underlying fabric with all of my clients that I work with. Right. So it's based, based on personal values. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and they're trying to figure out how to make it work as a business. Mm-hmm. 100%. For folks that, that are starting consulting or coaching businesses, following a long career as an employee, what do you see as some of the common issues? Yeah. So the biggest issue I see is making that transition from corporate to entrepreneur or, you know, small business or consultancy or service business. They are thrown into a position of where they have to self-brand and The thing is, when it comes to branding in a corporate context, that type of branding doesn't work for when you are starting up as a coach or a consultant. You have to take a radically different approach. So for example, with if you came from a corporate background, there is this veneer that I call the corporate veneer of when you're a big corporation, you want to look official, you want to be as polished as possible on the outside, you want to be as to humanize in a sense where there's a separation of the corporate face and then the people behind it. So that approach doesn't work if you're a coach or a consultant, because when you're a new business, the only differentiating factor you have is your individual. It's your human side. A corporation, let's say you came from a big corporate office like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has the legitimacy and brand recognition from decades of being a brand. People immediately trust Coca-Cola. They have an image in their head that comes in when they hear the name. When they hear your name, no one's going to have any image at all. So it's your responsibility as a brand to create that image for people. And the only way to do that is to really decide and step into a specific brand personality and to actually remove this corporate veneer of separation of corporate brand and self and actually step into self of I'm going to show up as, you know, Sophia, I'm starting my own consultancy. I'm letting people know what my values are, what my philosophy is as a consultant. And I'm going to shout that out for the rooftops. I am not going to take the position of being a sense strategy and not showing my face ever and giving people the impression that there are five people on my team and we're going to use we language. That really doesn't work when you're first starting out, especially if you consider the level of competition that exists right now. The only kind of anchor that consumers and shoppers have when it comes to coaches and consultants is, do I trust this person and do I see myself in this person? And that's usually by observing the coach or consultant's 
individual, their personality. And yeah, so that's something that I always recommend when it comes to coaches and consultants, like drop the corporate act as much as possible, even if that may feel uncomfortable or unnatural due to the background that you came from. It's actually totally counter to the background that they come from because when mm-hmm. they're in in the, the corporate environment, sharing what's you unique about you personally mm-hmm. and also sharing your values if um, if they don't always mesh with the corporate values of the company that you work for, that can create a lot of conflict and you're opening yourself up to a lot of vulnerability where the criticism may not be so positive for your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, and when you make that transition, you can't hide anymore. You can't hide in the zoom meetings where there's 50 other people, like you are in the spotlight and you have to really step into that. Right. So you got to get comfortable sharing stuff about yourself and being vulnerable, whether it's mm-hmm. your values or, or certain kinds of traits. And it, it means that you are also going to be excluding people from your audience that don't mesh with those values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually a added layer that a lot of my clients struggle with who do transition from corporate to becoming a coach or a consultant. They actually get to a place where the vulnerability of showing people who they are and here's the work that I'm doing through my consultancy or my coaching practice they actually feel really timid when it comes to doing that, especially when they have to do it publicly. And for the, a lot of my clients talk about this experience of being on LinkedIn and how scared they're show, they're scared of showing up on LinkedIn because when they announce their consultancy practice, all of their past coworkers see it, their past bosses see it, and how that visibility and vulnerability of like saying, hey, you know, your coworker who used to not show up talking in Zoom meetings and blah, 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 and used to be like blending into the crowd, I'm stepping into the spotlight now. So that's usually an added layer too when it comes to that transition. And it's really, really interesting kind of mentally, the mental kind of gymnastics that coaches and consultants have to go through that do transition from that space. Yes. So speaking of LinkedIn, how long do you find it typically takes them before they're willing to share anything new on LinkedIn since they have left their corporate job? Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. So I work specifically with women and I actually find that LinkedIn is usually the last frontier. Like a lot of my clients will are so happy to promote their business on Instagram, Pinterest, because there's a aspect of visibility to these platforms where you can kind of create an account. No one really needs to know that it's you, you could, you know, manipulate your images, whatever. So you never see your face, but with LinkedIn, like you have to show up as you, there's really no way around that. And it's been varied according to different people. I have some clients who are, who have done the internal work and are completely comfortable showing up as their business and having that presence amongst their old coworkers and bosses. I have clients and then there there's like that part of the spectrum and then another end of the spectrum where like I have clients that I've worked with for like two or so years and they're still not really ready yet to be visible in that way. But I will say that when you hit that last frontier of LinkedIn, that's usually where I see kind of the water break where 
that's usually when you, when a lot of my clients will, because LinkedIn is kind of a mental, it's a mental representation to me of sorts of you hitting all of the layers of visibility and vulnerability you need to hit to become a successful entrepreneur who's willing to do anything to scale. So I usually find once a entrepreneur is comfortable with breaking that uh, wall on LinkedIn and just like being super visible and it doesn't even have to be LinkedIn, whatever LinkedIn represents to other client, other people, that's usually the stage where like an entrepreneur is mentally ready to go and they just hit that scale that they need to. Yeah. The other thing about LinkedIn is that the algorithm will cause anybody you're linked to, to get notified about mm-hmm. changes that you make on your profile. So so it's like you really are shouting from the rooftops. Here exactly. I am, right? So, consultant so-and-so or coach so-and-so, and, and this is who I'm serving. Mm-hmm. And it could be very different from what you were doing in corporate. Exactly, yeah, yeah, absolutely. With consultants and coaches, what do you find are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to trying to monetize their experience and skill and expertise? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is them breaking that barrier of finding clients outside of their network. That's usually the kind of tipping point for a lot of my clients where they will have basically, they've ridden on the coattails of their network for maybe about six months to a year. And then they get to this point where they're like, wait a minute, I don't have any clients anymore. My network is tapped. So the coaches and consultants who are really, really aware of that challenge that is coming up for them and plan for it, where, you know, maybe in the first six months of their business, they are enjoying the fact that they're able to get business through their network. But in the background, they're being really thoughtful about, okay, I'm going to build up my audience on this social platform so that. I'm building relationships with strangers, you know, new people that I don't know. And I will give that marketing channel about six months to build up. And by the time my personal network taps out, I will already have a new lead gen channel that is bringing in new leads for me. You know, those coaches and consultants are in a really good place if they are really thoughtful and execution obsessed about supporting and protecting themselves. But uh, the entrepreneurs who kind of over rely on their personal networks and don't think about that transitory period, which the transition, it always happens at some point. The best place for you to be is to just not be caught by surprise and to put the pieces in place to make sure that transition goes smoothly. Yeah. If you are building a consulting business or coaching business, following a mid to late career layoff, what do you think those people need to do first? Yeah. So I always position this as version 1.0, version 2.0 when it comes to building a consulting or coaching business at that phase. The first thing I tell people to do is your 1.0 plan should be the immediate assets and resources that you currently have to bring in business to you right away. So a lot of consultants and coaches, 1.0 is really easy where they understand, okay, I know that I can line up 
you know, 10 clients for the next six months. And that will give me a six month safety net. But while I'm doing that 1.0, I need to be planning for 2.0. 2.0 is kind of what I just mentioned before of what happens when my network taps out? What do I need to start building the background so that I have marketing channels that are sustainably thinking about scale for me? Thinking about, do I need to start an email list so that I can nurture relationships with people that I meet on a daily basis and keep them in the loop so that they'll keep me in mind when they're ready to hire a coach? What are the pieces I need to have in place in order to nurture new relationships and find new leads? Do I need to go on podcasts? Do I need to uh, start an Instagram account? So I always encourage consultants and coaches who are, you know, in that time of life and they are ready to make the transition to always split things into 1.0 and 2.0 plans and to be really aggressive about understanding that 1.0 isn't forever. That's why it's called 1.0. 2.0 is more of a scale-based strategy, but that's not going to be forever either. There's going to be a 3.0 and 4.0 and really understanding that your business is going to be constantly upgrading similar to like a iOS system on your Mac or whatever. And really just being strategic about these different phases your business is going to go through. Yeah. That's actually a great analogy. The, um, with the, the software analogy and the different versions and yes, um, businesses do go through phases. Um, the reason this podcast is named smashing the plateau is because, uh, businesses will typically get the, to plateaus because mm -hmm. uh, they need to get get to the next version, um, exactly. right? So this is a lot of what we discuss. So thank you for uh, for describing it in those terms. That's actually very fitting. So if we we have covered um, a plethora of topics that really touch into the incredible successes you have had, the depth of experiences, and the and the breadth of different kinds of experiences you've had as an entrepreneur over the last uh, decade and a half. What, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or access any resources you have, where would the best place be for them to go? Yeah, the best place is my website. I have a lot of free resources there. If you go to ascent-strategy.com slash start here, I have, for example, a free sales challenge that will help you make more sales in five days. I have free like business tune-up checklists. So a lot of free resources there. I am on Instagram on a weekly basis giving free advice, you know, mostly focus on monetization to help entrepreneurs really access that information as much as possible. So that's another place. And yeah, just my website, ascent-strategy.com. Sounds great. Well, we will include this in the, the show notes, these links. And I want to thank you so much, Sophia, for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been the founder of Ascent Strategy, Sophia Sunwoo. Thank you again, Sophia, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, David. This is great. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how consultants and coaches can build their business in phases following a long career as an employed professional. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.